Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, let's get into it with our Friday panel topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Sherry DeNovo is with us, the Reverend Doctor, Minister at Trinity St. Paul Center for Faith, Justice, and the Arts, and a former NDP MPP for Parkdale Hyde Park. Good afternoon to you, Sherry. A pleasure, John. Always a pleasure to have you here. Michael Giles, he's been in government 30 years, federally, provincially, municipally. He's run the table. <laughs> I think it's 31 now. 31 it? now, that's uh, right. Yeah. It's possibly. Just cr- it's it just crossed the line. Yeah, all right. Uh, John Carmichael, former conservative MP for Don Valley West, and he's also a Canadian business leader. How's Big John? Great. Good to be with you, John. Good to have you here. Uh, you know, as a business guy, let me ask you this, because Doug Ford has uh, served notice that uh, the new CEO of Hydro One is going to have the total compensation package capped at $1.5 million. The previous guy, Mayo Schmidt, they sent him packing, the $6 million man. Uh, that was a considerable uh, comp package. Now, uh, not sure, but uh, this may be salary as well as stock options and benefits, but the cap on that is $1.5 million. Can you recruit good talent for uh, a utility of this size and magnitude for one point five Schmill? Well, we just went around the table here and said none of us will throw our hats in the ring today. But <laughs> good, a protest of sorts. <laughs> the protest of sorts. Of course, you can. I think. Uh, I think that's. Uh, it's still a lot of money, and I don't know what the breakdown would be. But with the energy, uh, the cost of energy and affordability in this province, the government has to do something to uh, to put a cap on the cost of doing business, and I think that's just one of the areas we saw. We saw the feedback of the people, the consumers, earlier this summer, and uh, I think it's just, uh, it, it had to happen. All right. Well, is it more symbolic, or does it actually mean that they're reining in spending on this front and other fronts? Well, I think it's there is symbolism to it, but it's, it is a, it is a good step to take. I mean, I'm I, taking taking John's point. I mean, I wouldn't take it because I couldn't take the pay cut. But um, <laughs> in all seriousness, though, I mean, I think it's a step they have to take. You look at other uh, hydroelectric companies, publicly owned or at least controlled utilities across Canada, and you see the, you know, the range is 500, 600, 700,000. So this is not unreasonable. You're, you will be able to recruit, uh, I guarantee you they'll be able to recruit somebody who's competent to do this for $1.5 And I think it is, it's just a sense, a good signal to the public in the sense that, uh, you know, we can't be paying these kinds of salaries. We have people can do it. Other utilities can do it. Why not us? Well, Sherry, you know, uh, when you were in the ranks of the NDP in the legislature, your leader, Andrea Horvath, was suggesting capping it at $450,000. Yes, I think the final tally, I think we call for 500000 for the caps for all uh, This is servants. three times as much. Is uh, this yeah, still excessive? Um, uh, I think it's still excessive. But and I think most people out there who we're working for a living, things think it's still excessive. I mean, the problem here was the privatization of Hydro One. That's the problem when the government lost control of you know what a you know, utility that was making us money and is now going to cost us money. So uh, again, uh, is it a, a symbolic move? Is it better than six million? Yeah, uh, but again, uh, you know, people who are struggling around this time of year are probably thinking. Oh, you know, 1.5, really? Uh, you know, I'd, yeah, but who I'd are take you a recruiting? tenth of that and I'd be happy. Okay, well, no, um, but I mean, headhunters, uh, they come up with 
qualified candidates and they decide that this is sort of the ballpark and probably the lower end of it when it comes to executive no this is a major north american utility true that but i think still uh, again you know to michael's point it's still a lot more than most are making and if you look through the ranks of hydro one right now i'm sure there's somebody who would like a promotion who would take it for less than that i think it's still a reasonable dollar though to attract top talent and I think you're going to have to pay it, and it's up to 1.5. It doesn't mean that the candidate who wins the uh, the process is going to get 1.5 out of the shoot. So I think you've got to attract the very best to run a, a company of this size, and uh, I think it's a fair wage for that company, and it, and it does send a good signal. All right. Well, the other signal they want to send is there's a 10-person board with six independent directors, and the rest are appointed by government. So this is sort of... A, an arm's length appointment so uh, you know there's no consideration that a family friend or anybody would be appointed uh i'm guessing because you know that's still uh, kind of circle uh, circulating as an issue now here we've got ron tavner this is the other thing i was alluding to he's going to be appointed the uh, head of the opp the commissioner come monday although you've got the deputy commissioner right now who's asking for an ombudsman's investigation and he wants to forestall all of this i mean how does that sound to you? I mean, uh, do you think this deputy commissioner has a case to make or uh, is he being, you know, as a, the, may, uh, the mayor, uh, the uh, premier has suggested, it's sour grapes. How do, how do you read it, Sherry? Well, first of all, let's say every government does this. I mean, the Liberals under McGinty appointed Fantino. I mean, uh, it was a joke on committees when new appointees came before us and, and the Conservative members would say, have you now, have, have you ever been a member of the Liberal Party? And everybody would laugh because they all had been and were. Um, so, you know, this is not just a Conservative thing to do. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't pass a smell test, you know. Obviously not much, but again, I, I, I just want to put it in context. It has always, when I, I was there for 11 years, it was always the way, even under the last administration. All right, so what you're admitting is if the NDP had gotten into power, they would have looked after this? Well, you always hope that your team is better, but, you know, I, like, you know when you see them in power, yes. All right. Uh, I mean, yeah, do you want somebody who who's, shares your views, shares your ideology, and shares your your goals? That's, you know, that's another way. Well, and that's the it. point. I think that's really the defense of Tavner. Here's a guy a lifelong cop by his own choosing he stayed you know within toronto as a superintendent rose up through the ranks he's been offered other positions and he could have met the criteria but you know this is a guy who's apparently got quite a a, a legacy or a history of doing honorable work i mean why not him then john i mean why well, wouldn't a guy like that be able to go in and maybe change the culture coming in as an outsider because maybe things have calcified within the ranks of the OPP. Well, and I think that's what we have to hope for. I I, I agree with Sherry on the uh, on the choice that the political decisions like this are difficult at best, and, and every party plays the same uh, route on this to get people of their own thinking and, and mind on the on the uh, in the role. But I I my I, I feel for Tavener because he's going into a role now where there's been so much politicized about this. I do agree with uh, with the premier that. For Blair, on his way out the door, it is sour grapes, and uh, and he had to know his day was done. And uh, my hope is Taverner is successful and brings uh, fresh air into the uh, into the role. Well, that's uh, allegedly what the whole point of purpose of his being chosen is all about. But uh, let me leave that for a second and get on to something else uh, that is of consideration here in the province. Moody's has downgraded uh, our credit rating and. Uh, where we used to be like AAA, we're now AA and descending. And uh, let me ask you, Michael, because you've been at all levels of government and understanding how this works. 
is this downgrade more about uh, the McGinty win profligate spending, or is it about uh, the Ford revenue reductions going forward by t- cutting taxes and so on and so forth? Uh, there's this ominous sense that we're not going to be able to meet payroll, as it were. Uh, how do you see it? Well, and I, I you know, people will roll the right. It literally is about both. You have a, a large deficit uh, or debt. You have deficit spending going into this year. Looks like for the next couple of years, and you have a revenue problem. And so when you have organizations like Muties and Dominion Bond Rating and all those things looking at this, they're saying, okay, well, you have all of these expenses. You've reined in some of them, but you still have a fairly high uh, ongoing deficit each year, and now you're actually cutting revenue. And if you know, you look at the on a larger scale, of the United States. All every president over the last several presidents has actually cut revenue and not addressed uh, expenditures, and their deficit has or debt, national debt has exploded. And I think that's where, where Moody's is coming from here. And this is important because you're going from an A3 to an, A, uh, an AA3 to an AA2. They look and they see uh, um, uh, you know interest rates going up. When you start borrowing at the high inter- higher interest rate. It has massive impacts on your on your uh, how you operate, and so I think this is just an expression of concern from the biz- the, the financial community looking at this, and and yeah, so it is literally a mixture of both because they don't see any kind of clear path to to substantially reducing this debt. All right, so you got a fifteen billion dollar deficit, <laughs> and the way to uh, address it is what cutting expenditures or increasing taxes or both, Sherry. Well, certainly the way not to address it is to cut revenue, which is what this government has done, both with the cap-and-trade. You know, there's $3 billion out the window. You're admitting then the cap-and-trade was all about uh, pouring into the coffers um, in general, general it, revenue. It, it wasn't about that. It was a carbon tax, which I think is a good thing. But, no, but, but the reality but where was is, the money going? Well, the money is going to, you know, really goes into government, back into government. Well, that's, and not, there's, that's not there's, the stated intention. Though. There's this, Yeah, but here's the thing. You're, you're cutting off a stream of revenue with that. You're giving away tax dollars with tax cuts. There's another stream of some $20 billion. Um, it went out the door in that. So, and, and plus you're inheriting a deficit from the past government, which was considerable. You know, again, debatable how big that was. But yes, misspending in the last government. So you've inherited this. And, and instead of, of, of looking at revenue and increasing revenue streams, you cut some more. You, you go to an austerity agenda, which is going to hurt the weakest and, and the least able to pay, and you reward the wealthiest. Um, that's not, I think, what most working people would like to see happen. Well, there's a lot to unpack, but some of the uh, wealthiest, the smart money has left the province, uh, number one. Number two, you know, the adage that uh, we don't have a revenue problem, we have a spending problem. John, you're clearing your throat like you got something to say. On I got something to say, John. I, uh, listen, the, the uh, revenue reductions were an effort to stimulate um, by reducing some of the taxes and some of the things that were offside to begin with. But clearly, this is a McGinty win spending problem that has put us in this position to go to AA2 from... Uh, it's been a progressive thing, looking at the increase in deficits and debt. The cost of borrowing is increasing. I'm sure that was a significant factor in how they measured whether we could afford the debt and uh, and I think uh, the premier's got to dig his way out of this, and he's been doing some very good things from my perspective uh, to create incentive to try and draw some of that big money that left the province back in, and that's going to take longer than uh, than less time. I, I, I'm worried about that part. You know, I was just talking to the deputy mayor Stephen Holiday before you joined us, and uh, this idea that the province uh, would take 
the TTC on, not the actual operation and maintenance of it, but the infrastructure component and the development of that, which might include, uh, you know, the air rights over these hubs and uh, building, you know, now some of that may be affordable housing. The model is sort of already being applied in Mimico, uh, but could you see the city, would it be prudent to cede uh, the TTC upload to the province of Ontario, and we'd all be beneficiaries of that, Michael. Well, I think the, the whole notion of regionally controlled transit and, and an effective policy that takes into all that into account is smart. I think in this case, the, you know, and the mayor and the council was wise to pass a, a motion to sort of get down and let's talk about it, because there's so many questions in place here. Uh, you have, as you mentioned, the air rights above that. I mean, and also, you know, there's even some discussion about the controlling the intersections and the air subway stations. That would be interesting to see in terms of the King Street pilot project, you know, if they control that. Uh, you look at the air rights, you look at the land rights, you look at, you know, is it going to be a seamless operation in terms of, you know, uh, going from now surface routes onto the subway the way you do now? And I think it actually was infrastructure and maintenance. So the idea was the, the notion that they can build it faster. It also raises the questions which you know, rather people agree or disagree, P3 models and that kind of thing to build it. And, uh, you know, you're going outside the region. The truth is we've already gone outside the region. So we've gone north into Vaughan. So I think it's a good idea in the sense that we're going to take a regional, you know, an, a regional approach to this kind of thing. I just think there's a lot of questions that, uh, you know, remain in, in, in place. And as I understand it, the, the original proposal during the campaign was to allow the province to, or the city to retain the revenue. So in that respect, you know, I don't see that there's a, a major issue in terms of, uh, of financial, but there's just a lot of other questions about here. And I think that's good. They're going to sit down and talk about it and let's figure it out. Right. Or finally... We'll get a transit system built because the province will be in charge rather than, you know, getting into the stasis because the city just can't get her done. Yeah, well, there's no question about that. I mean, there's definitely, but there is transit being built now, the Eglinton Crosstown, that kind of thing. But uh, I think, yes, I think a regional approach to the construction of these transit, these major transit systems is, is the way to go. Other cities do it that way. You look at major cities around the world, that's how they operate, and that's how you need to operate. It doesn't stop at Steeles, and it doesn't stop at Port Union Road. Amen. All right, we'll come back. Uh, something else that surfaced yesterday uh, as far as... Well, the province and the city are concerned. It has to do with the distribution of marijuana. I want to touch on that when we come back with our panel. The Reverend Dr. Sherry DeNovo, Michael Giles, John Carmichael, here on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Number one, we need to send signals that Ontario is open for business. So in other words, we're going to have to have a competitively lower provincial tax rate. Number two, you know, we've, we've messed up the energy portfolio. And so energy costs, which used to be Ontario's biggest advantage, have now, you know, become a, a noose around our neck. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.